1: Yeah. Sandwiches? I mean, not forever, but yes, in
2: this, in this next hour and a half, yes.
1: Hour and a half? All right. <laughs> Welcome to the Hypothetical Institute, a podcast about conspiracies.
3: My name is Luke. My name is my name is Salty.
1: And I'm Cam. How are we, gents? Lockdown 3.0? Yeah, it's good. I've got a pineapple that I'm eating today. Nice. So far, so good to me. So this week we're going to be talking about Korean Airlines Flight 007, which was a plane that crashed over Russia or the USSR in 1983 at the height of the Cold War. And I guess because of uh, when it happened or where it happened, there are a lot of uh, conspiracy theories about what actually went down. Yeah, there's, there's lots
2: to this one, isn't there? There's, there's a few bits and pieces, you know, right down to just every, every, every facet seems to be contested in some way.
1: So, I watched, a uh, like, an Air Crash Investigations piece about this. Oh, yeah? Although, it was, like, it was sold to me as Air Crash Investigations, and then when they're, like... It was, like, it was still a Discovery Channel thing or whatever, or something like that. But when they actually played, like, the name of the show, it was actually called Unsolved Histories. Okay. Which I felt like I was tricked, because I was looking for more of a focus on the Air Crash Investigation. I wasn't as interested in the history. Mm. But they're, like, we're going to get to the bottom of what happened with this plane. And they're like, we've we've put together a team of mustachioed experts oh, yeah. to, to work this out. And they're like, we've got uh, an air crash investigator. We have the Russian air crash investigator. We have the pilot who shot down the plane. <laughs> and we have like a historian and a, like space engineer, like an aerospace engineer. I was like, well, I feel like those two guys are sort of superfluous because you have the guy that shot down the plane, the guy that investigated it. <laughs> And like another proper investigator, the historian's probably not as important to working out what really happened. Do we want to? What's the official story of what happened? Is that the best place to start with this? Yeah, I think maybe. <laughs> so uh, it's 1983. It's a it was a flight from New York to Seoul mm-hmm. via Anchorage, and so to get there, they had to sort of fly over Russia. But they they go around Russia because yes. tensions were high. Yeah so the yeah.
2: the the path was kind of nearish
1: Russia but not not towards Russia. Unfortunately, when they went to do this, something went wrong and they ended up flying over Russian airspace. Did they go in, like in and out of airspace as well? I
2: remember like that was one of the you know the Russians like oh it's it's gone now we don't need to shoot it down and then they're like oh it's back. I think just the, the shape of the space.
1: Yeah, cuz they're going over like the the, the you know the coast the easternmost coast of Russia. So is like the most eastern part of the Soviet Union or Russia or whatever. <laughs> and there was apparently some sort of military base there. I guess they had a, an outpost there because, you know, it's the closest bit to America. It's the bit that Sarah Palin could see from her house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they were a bit sensitive about uh, spy planes. The, the plane does go off its proposed course, deviates from its course by about 15 degrees. So it... Goes a fair way off where it's supposed to be, ends up going over Russian airspace. They send up a some fighter jets to intercept, and then they determine that it's a spy plane and they shoot it down. And I think uh, two hundred and sixty nine people on board died, including a strident anti communist congressman Larry McDonald. Just a quick note: I'm looking at kind of a curved
2: map that that kind of you know accounts for the fact that the Earth is is round. Mm-hmm. Well, lies about the fact the Earth was around, depending on your view. Seoul or Korea is much higher than I always thought. Mm. Like, it's actually not that far from Alaska when you're looking at it this way. Like, in my mind, if someone said is Korea closer to Alaska or Australia, I'd immediately say Australia. Yeah. It's one of those tricky ones. And I've been there. So, I mean, I needed to-
1: I should have looked at a map when I was going. Anyway. So, that's basically the story. That they shoot the plane down and it crashes into the ocean- and then I guess that's it's from there that uh, things get complicated. Well, the, the first question is why do they get so, of
2: course, and 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 I, and I guess there's still a lot of you know they they shut it down because it was a spy plane, but there's still a lot of people that are like, no, it was because they were spying. It was part of you know that was that wasn't a mistake. They were there to do a little spy thing as well.
1: Well, so I, I guess what happens after it crashes is that then the Soviets sort of are quite. They, they put up, throw up some obstacles to the investigators. The The Americans want to come over and investigate the crash, and the Soviets are not keen on that happening. There is, like, an international investigation team that heads out there and the Russian Navy are, like, uh, blocking, obstructing them. I think they eventually find the black box recorders and they just go straight into a, some Soviet general safe and stay there for quite a long time. And they also... They can't find a lot of wreckage or a lot of remains either. Which will then lead into some more conspiracy theories down the track.
3: And the Russians the Russians denied they had any of it, right, for a long time. Yeah. Like I don't they didn't say, Oh yeah, we found the black boxes, but you're not having them. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, there was nothing there.
1: Nit. Yet. Yet. I guess this is one of the ones where it's not like a an a UFO or something where we can say this is all the crazy theories, and then this is what actually happened. It was a weather balloon. So, the accepted theory of what happened is that there's, like, different ways that the autopilot can be set on the plane. Yeah. Uh, one of them is to ping off, uh, like, stations that are scattered around the world, and another one is to just base it on magnets, Yeah. like a magnetic direction thing. And they think that they have accidentally set it on the wrong one. INS instead of... Whatever the other one is, the other one, yeah. And so they've uh, they've been going, and then they've they've gotten off course. And I read, I don't know how accurate this is. I read that one explanation is that for why they didn't realize they're off course is that maybe it's almost certain that like the co-pilot or other people in the flight crew realized they're off course, but that there was a culture in the airline of like not questioning the pilot. <laughs> uh-huh.
2: Yeah, and that's become like there's been books written about that that kind of thing and specifically talking about korean airlines right yeah um and i guess the the different cultures and how they yeah how they how they approach hierarchies in the cockpit you don't question your your superiors but have we talked about this surely i think anyway and i think yeah that's yeah
1: so I, i do feel like if you were to be at the height of the cold war and flying over yeah, you know, the reason your flight path doesn't take you the most direct route is because you're avoiding flying into Soviet airspace. Yeah. I think that you would still maybe pipe up, even if you're like, oh this isn't the done thing. Yeah. <laughs> no,
2: I I see I think there's probably again, it's it's a cultural thing that that is quite ingrained that the, they just wouldn't you just wouldn't
1: The thing is though, so people are like they must have noticed because there, there were a lot of ways to realize that they're of course uh, for one thing you could, they could have told that they were flying over land instead of over the ocean like <laughs> that they, they had sensors for that that would have shown that. There, there's various other things that would have indicated to them that for one thing they weren't able to radio through to places that they should have been able to and so they're passing their messages through a different plane. Yeah. And so, that should have been indicated to them that they were a little bit off course as well. Yeah,
2: there's no there's no problem solving there. We've got a problem. Why? What's causing the problem? Their solution is not to work that out, if this is the,
1: the scenario. <laughs> they might have thought that they were a little bit off course, but not realised how far off course they were. Hmm. Because when eventually the flight recorders and the black boxes were recovered, uh, well- uh, Long after they were recovered, when the Soviets handed them over after the fall of the Soviet Union, so when the Russians handed them over, it was all very casual in the cockpit. Mm. Mm. There was no indication that they realised that they were in Soviet airspace. I did think, though, that maybe they just assumed that no one would shoot down a passenger jet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but you'd still... Is a, You'd still know. I, d- is I there think that's any... a bad assumption to make, too, because we're not flying over Soviet airspace just in case they shoot down a passenger jet, right? Like, mm, why mm, Why do we have this rule? Unless they were not cognizant of that's why our flight path is like that. We're just doing what our flight path tells us to do.
2: What, um, is there any suggestion that the recordings have been altered or faked? Yes. Okay, because I, I just, that just dawned on me. I don't even really think to look at that.
1: So- all right, let's get Every, it. Everything is good in the cockpit.
2: <laughs> I wish I could do a Russian thing because I'd, I'd like to say something about a Korean thing
1: in a Russian All right, Oh, right. Cockpit. Oh, that's what but you're the, suggesting. The, yeah, that's the yeah. Russians have faked them. Yeah. Okay, so- Well, I mean, because they're the ones that had the black box, right? Yeah. I don't know if anyone has suggested that. There is a suggestion, though, that the Americans faked them. So, let's, uh, let's get into some conspiracy theories.
3: Would you have yeah. said something like, uh, good flying
1: comrade- how is your bimamba? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would been yeah, good. Perfect. Yeah. So one of the conspiracy theories that the Soviets have sort of put forward is that it was actually a spy plane. There yep. weren't any people on it and that right. the black boxes were planted to be found. And so yeah. they've recorded a flight of, you know, Korean pilots being like, "Oh, we're having a good flight. No troubles here." Oh, whoops. Got plenty of time to enjoy my kimchi. Yep. And then uh, that that's just been put there so that people will think that it was a passenger flight when in fact it really was a spy, spy plane. And also helping that theory is the fact that they didn't find any luggage or very many human remains. They found like a couple of body parts. I think they found the body parts of a child too, which would be- mm-hmm. ...doesn't gel with it being a spy plane, unless that was also all planted there. Mm. But then, if you were going to do that, wouldn't you just fill the plane up with bodies? Yeah. Like, if you're going to plant corpses on the plane... But then you've got to get the corpses. Yeah, and also, your probably The government can get corpses. Yeah, corpses are easy to acquire, and... If- I guess the US government could acquire corpses
2: pretty easily...
1: Yeah, I feel like this is a spy movie trope as well. The ghost plane with the, you know, the dead bodies set up to look like it was a plane crash and for some other nefarious purpose.
2: Mm, is that a trope? If it isn't, uh, everyone
1: st- stop writing it and we'll write it. Yeah. But if you're doing that, firstly, you need to expect that the plane's going to be shut down. <laughs> So it wouldn't make sense to fill up your spy plane with corpses because that's going to make things, you know, very uncomfortable for the spies running the plane. That that means you're taking a passenger jet <laughs> to turn it into a spy plane, filling it with corpses, and being like, "Let's just fill it with corpses just in case we get shot down." There is also a suggestion though that maybe it was it was the whole thing was a setup. They wanted them to shoot it down, right? And so that, to to start some shit that would make sense. But then if you were doing that, you would fill it up with corpses. Yes. Yeah,
3: to make it look like they've killed a whole bunch of, like, civilians.
1: Yeah. At the moment, it looks like they've killed, like, four people. Now, what actually probably happened is that just the way where it's crashed, the, you know, underwater tides or whatever, what's that called? Like, the the currents have carried things away. Uh, And also, there's uh, crabs. So, there's a lot of crabs on the seafloor in the area, and they'll just sort of eat anything. Apparently, though,
2: they're not going to eat the bones the, the the Japanese spider crabs they just eat the flesh so it kind of yeah shoots down that theory but I think uh, Jap- Japanese the, the spider crabs are a cool crab if you want to look them up they are uh, listener cool. so the the guy that shot them down.
1: Yeah, he, he, he's been he done, in a lot of media. Lot of media. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so I've got a quote here about the crab theory, and he's got, I heard they found the Boeing, and that's in uh, inverted commas, when I was on Sakhalin and even investigated it, investigated it. But no one saw people there. I have, a, however, explained that by the fact that there are crabs in the Sea of Sakhalin, apologies, apologies for pronunciation, uh, that immediately devour everything. I did hear that they... Found only a black hand and a black glove. Perhaps it was the hand of the pilot of the aircraft I shot down. Which is a really dark thing to say. Mm. Um, you know, even now I cannot really believe that there were passengers on board. You cannot write off everything to the crabs. So he, he's still convinced it's a spy plane. He is no support of the crab theory.
1: Um, there are other theories as well, what happened to the bodies, right? Yeah, so one of the theories is that maybe the plane has crashed and there have been survivors. And that the Soviets have then taken them hostage. Yeah. And that they're in a gulag in Siberia somewhere. And I think that a lot of, like, family members were keen on that maybe being the case. Yeah. But it seems like the sort of thing where, you know, a few years later, well, you know, a decade later, they, they hand over the black boxes. And I guess, you know, there's sort of an apology implicit in that. If they had survivors, I don't know, maybe that would be the time when it's, you know, it was the former regime, it wasn't then. Mm. You could say, oh, actually, we saved a bunch of people from that. It actually makes us look a little bit better because we didn't kill 269 people. We, you know, we killed a bunch of people and then we, uh, you know, these people have just been in prison. But also, I feel like someone who'd been to a Soviet gulag and had, like, then come home at the end of their sentence might have... Yeah, you know, spoken to someone and being like, "Oh, there were a bunch of Korean people in the Gulag." Yeah, yeah. Um, so the the abduction theory did get a lot of legs
2: from people. There was, uh, I think, some of the American kind of the leadership thought it might have still been abducted. You know, there's kind of hints that that you know, apparently, people requested information, and then it didn't really, it wasn't really clear if there were survivors or not, based on what the the Russians gave back. Um, there's one guy. Uh, who's a, self, a self-declared KG expert, KGB expert, he said, yeah, it was they were abducted and the kids were separated from their parents and safely hidden from, hidden in the orphan houses of one of the Soviet Middle Asian republics.
1: There's also a theory that the Soviets might have found the bodies and then just taken them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's also a wind tunnel theory and a decompression
1: theory. Well, what's the wind tunnel theory?
2: I think it's similar to the decompression theory that basically everyone sucked out and then spat around uh like they they got caught in a wind tunnel and then ended up in a far away place and decompression is they got sucked out by the you know by the explosion you know like in a movie yeah and then they were, yeah they end up scattered around the place or in a different place to where you'd even be looking for the bodies but one is the decompression theory this is in a book called as as vestia, uh, which is a lot of some of the clothes they found was zipped up, and they don't know how that could have happened. How the zipped up clothes land everywhere. I'm assuming that's just because luggage exploded, right?
1: Yeah, mm. it would have been. Was, yeah, it would wasn't the people got sucked out of them. people's luggage. And the other thing is, they did find stuff started washing up in Japan, like mm. later, like yeah. they they found body parts that they couldn't explain. Well, I think. Yeah, you know, it's probably from that plane crash. And they did find some luggage around the place.
2: So the, the deliberate theory that it was deliberate uh, is, a, is a pretty strong one as well. because We've kind of talked about it. But yeah, there's a whole book about it, um, Cal 007, the cover-up, which says it was all planned. Because I think the US had done a similar operation recently than they've been caught. And, it, and that's why the that part of Russia was on high alert. So yeah, that's kind of the...
0: You
1: know, Oh, uh, they're up to up to their tricks. That it was in. like a an actual airline flight, but they were also doing a little spying on the side. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. There's also a theory that it was a targeted assassination of Larry McDonald. Of Larry McDonald, and there were also supposed because he was like the one of the main anti communists in Congress, mm. and there were supposed to be other sort of hardcore anti communists on the plane, but their flight had changed. But uh, if you're a, so if a Soviet spy might not have gotten the news that their flight had changed last second, but they think that what could have happened is that the Soviets could have uh, scrambled the like pinging of the the plane's radar, so that they thought they were somewhere where they weren't. It's called Mikining. Mm. and so they could have uh, sent them off course and then shot down the plane under the pretext that they thought it was a spy plane. But they did know all along that it was an airline flight. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's there seem to be <laughs> there are so many suggestions in this. The the old Occam's razor of they just went off course and got shot down. <laughs> um you know, like it just makes so much sense. But the it also doesn't make sense, does it, as we've discussed. So it is somewhat Yeah, it's hard to get it's hard to get my head around what I actually think. I think they just got off course and got shut down. But as we discussed, it was really difficult to do that.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like there were so many indicators that they're off course. And they didn't co- go make any effort to correct the course. Yeah. But then they must have known they're off course. But then if they'd known they were off course, they would have been a little bit freaked out. But then it seems like that they were just bantering. So did they know that? If you go from that, then Occam's razor says they must have not known that they were off course, which might make it make more sense that a uh, you know their systems had been scrambled a bit by the Russians. Oh, you think there's a scrambling going on? That's the, that's the meekening. They they send right. they send up signals that make you think you're somewhere where you're not. Right. So they could have given and they could have made it look like they were still on course to them. But there's still other things like you could have looked at the thing that said, "Oh, we're over land instead of over sea." But then you might have looked at the other thing which said we're on course and been like, oh, well, maybe that thing's wrong. Maybe these things aren't always reliable.
3: Because I guess also if they had had the wrong uh, navigation system on, like they had the the one that says our magnetic heading is correct, but our actual heading is not. The one that should have been telling them they weren't on course wasn't turned on because they just forgot to do it or whatever. Like, would there be like if if no alarms are going off saying they're off course then why would they even like think they were off course
2: because they would have seen they're over land at some point
3: but do do they look out and down the window like down at the ground though like i would assume that pilots that- on most most planes like most big passenger jets go completely mostly off of their instruments right
1: yeah, yeah. so yeah. so they're going off their instruments but I think you can, like, confuse the, the radar so you think you're somewhere where you're not. But I don't know if you can confuse the thing that says, oh, it's ground underneath us" instead of ocean.
2: So, they've got, like, a little thing that pings back up at them. Like, it, like I don't know, some sort of, is that just radar, though? Hmm To know what's underneath it, wouldn't that have, be how that works?
3: Mm, but if that's part of the system that, like, they didn't have on. Yeah. Then there's, a, so there's nothing to tell them that they're not? over whichever one they're supposed to be over. Yeah. Then they would just be sitting there chilling and going, yeah, look at that, heading's fine, we're cruising. Yeah. Get out the bloody Yahtzee.
2: Yahtzee? Stick this bitch on autopilot. Let's just... it's, wait, is Yahtzee a Korean thing? <laughs> it might be. Okay. Um, one thing I always find funny, you talk, we're talking about you know, looking at the, the windows I'm seeing it, and they probably didn't, is that quite often really big planes have tiny windows. And to me, that just looks comical. Yeah. Little, little tiny window, little, little a little tiny pilot, yeah. giant thing. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, I don't know how much they see, but surely they can see something.
3: Yeah. I guess they can see out in front of them to make yeah. sure there's not like, going to crash guess, into a mountain.
2: Yeah. And like, I don't know. you just, you just looking around, right? Isn't that a big thing that you do as a pilot? you just looking around? Yeah. Well, what can you see, though? Horizon. So there is
1: one other theory.
2: I guess any major pilots of major aircraft out there um, just want to chime in and let us know what you what you're looking at out those How tiny much you windows. Can see out the windows,
1: yeah. Uh, I've
2: just put for for you guys. I've just put a picture of a plane in our group chat. That's a good example of a giant plane with tiny windows.
3: Yeah. See, there's no way they'd be able to look down the side of that plane and see the ground. But you'd see ahead of you. you know, you're looking out. Yeah, but if you're looking out that window at a downward angle down the nose, how many, like, how far, like, that's so far in front of you that you'd be
2: able to see? I'm just bringing up some images of cockpits now and looking.
3: Also, there's, like, all this instrumentation in front of them, right? They can't get through the glass to look down the front of the nose of the plane. No,
2: they can definitely see it. What's the point of the window then? There's definitely a like a reason for the window. So
1: yeah, so they don't crash into mountains. Well, sorry. We I think we can leave Let's um pin this. Okay. Have you got it to And You're not and not, is... and not circle back to it. There's no suggestion. I don't think anyone is suggesting that they could have looked out the window and seen what was beneath them.
2: No, but they'd see around them. I've just put another photo in our chat and they can see the even this photo sits quite far back from the pilot, you can clearly see that what you're flying over.
3: What, what kind of plane is that?
2: Uh, hard to say. Spectacular things pilots see every day is the title of the article. Right. Uh,
1: well, actually, let it, let it, let's put a pin in it, and now we'll circle back to it because I've just thought of something. If you can't see <laughs> the ground from the cockpit through the window, why don't they put side mirrors on? So, you can just look in the mirror and see. Oh, yeah, of course. Too much drag. Anyway, let's move on. There is one other theory that is a little bit complicated. Mm. Uh, So, the theory is that the Soviets engaged actual spy planes, that there was an air battle over Kamchatka Mm. where they actually did shoot down real US spy planes. Right. But then- The Americans or the Japanese have shot down this passenger plane to cover up the crash of their spy plane so that they say, oh, this passenger plane's in the ground. You know, the Russians were shooting missiles at a plane, put it together, they shot down a passenger jet, but it was actually the Americans or the Japanese that shot it down.
2: Yeah, I did read a little bit about this. So there was an inference that the sound, like the the way that people described the sound traveling, and then what they saw, was was not con- like not consistent with where it was shot down. Is that?
1: Yeah, there's, is that am I right? There's that and there's also apparently someone, like a fisherman or someone, found some wreckage from one of the weapons or a weapon, at least in the area, which had a marking on it N three. Now, of course, as we all know. The letter N is not in the Cyrillic alphabet. Mm. So why would the mm. Russians have N on their missile? Makes would make much more sense that it was on an American missile.
2: What was the what was the code again? Say that again. N3. N three. Ah. surely, like people know what codes are on what missiles, right? Um, Russia had a, a SSN three missile. There you According go. to this <laughs> missile website that I've just pulled up. There
1: you go. Well, sorry, Fisherman. You've struck out there.
2: Um, the SSN-3 is a family of turbojet-powered cruise missiles with three variants. Confusingly, confusingly, the Western nomenclature designates the initial P-5 variant with the highest number, SS-N-3C. It's an inertially guided missile. So there you go. It's <laughs> just really- kind of... Really proves. So
3: really has like a backwards end. Yeah, yeah. Maybe
1: they're looking at the wrong way.
3: And it has, a, it has it does have a couple of symbols that look like they could be ends.
2: But also, they do have a, a missile called the, the SSN three. Entry, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Yeah, fisherman, you should have bloody googled it <laughs> before you're making yourself look like an idiot. <laughs> do you, Cam, believe any of these theories or, or entertain them to be plausibly true?
0: Oh
1: mm, mm-hmm. I don't know. it's one of those things where I feel like if I think the Russians knew that they were in the wrong uh you it seems like the Russians went to a lot of effort to cover things up right though well th- yeah if C-
2: they they hid all the what they did and then hid the wreckage right yeah,
1: and they yeah, they were going around hassling the people that were trying to investigate it. It's like that seems like the Actions of the, the guilty party <laughs> Yeah Well I mean we know that
2: the, like, the pilot Gives many interviews Or gave many interviews, since passed But mm. he, you know, he was very Open about, he, he saw it And he, he said in one that he That he saw the lights It looked like a Boeing and he reported That back to the people mm. And they said shoot it um, Yeah and they're like nah, well they just kind of ignored him and just said to keep going Yeah um, but then he still doesn't believe that he shot down a passenger jet, which is probably, you know, there's probably a reason that you'd be like, oh, nah, I actually didn't kill hundreds of people.
1: Yeah. Well, let's just be grateful that this isn't the 90, 90- he wasn't the 99 Balloons guy. I'm going to need an elaboration on this. You know, the guy, the guy that uh, saw the things on the radar saying, oh, the, the American missiles are coming. Oh, uh, yeah. And was like, yeah, you know what? <laughs> let's just see what happens.
2: Or he was too drunk to
1: hey, hang on to do anything about <laughs> is it. The, is that something you've actually heard, or are you just making Yeah, that's a theory. We, we, I think we discussed it. Stereotype.
2: We discussed it on the show once uh, that, that he was just he was, he was drunk oh. and, he, and he said like he he made up the story. Oh no, I, yeah, I knew.
1: Yeah, I was. I'm the, I'm the hero that saved the world. I certainly
2: wasn't smashing vodkas. All day because <laughs> I'm bored looking at a fucking radar that nothing happens. It's the Cold War. Let's get some let's get some heat. Let's play heat into this war. <laughs> um, oh, this heat's coming from the vodka that I'm drinking.
1: So, what does the 99 Luft Balloons have to do with it? That's the that song's based on that whole thing. Oh, really? Yeah. The 99 Luft Balloons, you know, the red balloons that ping the radar that makes them think the missiles are coming. Okay. What, this so, is that, news. That's what the song's about. <laughs> Really? Is this this common knowledge? You thought it was just a fun song about balloons, like they're at a circus or something. Uh, But it's like, are some of these balloons shaped like a sausage dog? (laughs) I guess I never thought about
2: it. Um, I knew it was like a war song. I didn't really know what it was about. So the guitarist noticed that balloons were being released. and it is about balloons. As he watched them move towards the horizon, he noticed them shifting and changing shapes, looked like, Change strange spacecraft Then he thought about What might happen If they floated over the Berlin Wall To the Soviet sector So it is literally about balloons Yeah He just was He just smoked some weed And was watching balloons And going Ah look these shapes Fuck oh, What if What if we trick the Russians with them So it's not about that incident
1: It's about what would happen If that happened Which yeah. would be that incident Wow well, But the, the You know the bad outcome anyway what do you what do you reckon robo so a direct
2: translation of the title was sometimes given as 99 air balloons um but the song became known as red balloons because it's better yeah there you go (laughs) um there's a bit of a shooey there so i believe and i read this essay that was completely over my head uh and actually (laughs) here's a little insight into like how spiteful i am (laughs) I read this, this essay and it was just so needlessly confusing and like it just really was in words all the things I hate about academia of just really just going too hard on big words when you can just say the thing quite easily. Mm-hmm. And so I looked up the people that wrote it uh, and I looked one up on Rate My Professor to see if, if his students hated him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a 2.8 out of 5 oh, rating. That's, that's <laughs> uh, average. No, nah, if you had a two point eight
1: out of five rating on anything, you'd be like, "Fuck, that sucks." You wouldn't want it to be your, your Uber rating.
2: Oh nah. no, I I was shocked to see mine was like four point seven, which apparently is bad. I'm like, who's rating me a four or a, less than a five? And then I remembered all the times that I get drunk and ask to take over the stereo, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I went through a period of playing like Twenty One Savage songs.
1: I remember <laughs> when I got my first non-five <laughs> rating. And I could fucking tell who did it because I had, oh, yeah. what had a perfect five. I didn't do anything. I was. F- Weird. No, it wasn't drunk. I was in uh, Rotterdam right. in the Netherlands. And I think that maybe I went to get in the wrong door or something. And then, I, oops, right. sorry. And then I got in the right one. And then, next minute. This guy's like, uh, fuck this guy. I went from a five to a 4.9.
2: All uh, right, wrong door, Harry. Let's bloody bump this guy down the score.
1: I even listened to his weird cowboy
2: music. Maybe he wanted you to put on 21 Savage. Yeah, maybe. Anyway. <laughs> um, So just a, one, one comment on a rate, my professor uh, about this guy, and I'll get to the actual contents of the, the essay in a second. This one was, he is a weirdo Star Trek geek. Uh, it's got three E's. Maybe you should have paid more attention in class. Uh, who wishes he was Indiana Jones when he's more like John Wayne Gacy? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which is brutal. Yeah, that's and what's the? Can you see the star rating that's associated with that?
2: Uh, no, I didn't copy that one out. Uh, it wasn't good. <laughs>
1: you don't call your call your teacher John Wayne Gacy and then give them a high rating. Oh, well, I thought. <laughs> It might be like the comedy festival where you get that, and then it's like four stars. Well, a lot of people were um, saying his class is really easy, Mm.
2: like, and so like you know you just turn up and you'll get an easy pass because he doesn't really pay attention. Uh, So yeah. Anyway, uh, part of this essay, so this essay was all about it's kind of the name of it was something to do with nuclear coincidences, where there's so many things happening, this this cauldron of coincidence that. It just makes the you know it makes it just unbelievable. Um, it's the, the thrux of this fucking twenty page essay. Yeah, twenty pages. So you could have said
1: that. it in one sentence.
2: Oh, uh, absolutely. The, the yeah stuff happens. Sometimes it's a coincidence. Yeah. Anyway, um, they but they spend a lot of time talking about double oh seven, uh, which we haven't talked about. So the the flight number was 007. and whether or not the Russians thought that. Was like, oh, this flight number's got 007 <laughs> like, attached. It's clearly a spy they're plane. They're
1: taking the piss. <laughs>
2: are these, these writers?
1: No, the the the, the Russians, are like, these fucking American spies are taking the piss. Yeah.
2: And then, then the, the next part of that is well, maybe you'd call it 007 to take the piss because no one would, you know, oh my God, you wouldn't call your spy plane 007. Yeah. Like, it,
1: was a, it was a reverse piss take.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll read a little bit from this essay. One can su- suppose that 007 was an instance of what the spy most fears, the recurrent nightmare, the capacity of his unconscious to betray him into letting slip that he has taken every conceivable rational precaution to conceal what the Soviet Union read as a conscious provocation. Could given could given the same attribution of motives be taken to be? a lapsus, an involuntary revelation of the mechanism that undoes all loyalties in the paranoid universe of stealth, where each side is trying to determine its strategies in terms of what it can see the other side's seeing about itself. Hallucinatory effects and effects of coincidence acquire, in this space, uncanny power to become basis for fateful decisions. 20 fucking pages of that. <laughs> That's why I looked this guy up, to find out if it's a dick. <laughs> but there is some evocativeness to that writing. I'll give him that. But yeah. 007. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, no, I, I think that they might be right about the coincidence thing. I think just a lot of things went wrong. I did one of the, I think it was the Russian aircraft investigator on the thing I watched was like, look, the Koreans, they fucked up. The Americans fucked up. We fucked up. It's just a bunch of people making mistakes and it all just came together.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Salty, what do you think?
3: Yeah, I think
1: it's just a big fuck up.
2: All right. So we've got a pin and something. Cam, you weren't sure if we we're going to circle back to it.
1: I know. I, th- I think we're done with this, but it, unless you have a, a conclusion. Well, I'm just looking at. I circled uh, backward and said they should put side mirrors on so they can look out and look down. Yeah. So I am looking at some. Put a periscope on the front of the plane.
2: 747 things, and there's not much they can really see, I think.
1: No. that's it's probably I think fair.
2: They can see the ground when they're approaching
3: it to land, but I think from like 30,000 feet or whatever. All they'd be able to see is, like, the very far distance just in the put the right plane
1: hand. upside down for a second.
2: There yeah. is a... um, Like the Denzel Washington movie. Do a little loop-de-loop. Yeah. A little, a little barrel roll. So there is a, also a, a thing called stale... No, sorry. Sick ear syndrome, where there's not enough air circulating through the, the tiny space of the cockpit, and they're just in there for so long that they just start um, getting elevated carbon dioxide and getting all, like... Right. Bad at flying and losing all their, you know, losing all their functions and, and thinking powers. Jeez, who's losing their thinking powers today?
1: They get bad at flying. <laughs> so salty, uh, Robbo, me. I think we've uh, tackled Korean Airlines Flight seven.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I think this is another one where there's lots of little little moving parts, and you could probably spend a long time discussing one.
1: Yeah, you could even write
2: books just, about all of them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but really really you'd be stretching it pretty thin because Russia just shot down a plane that had gotten off course. Well, Robo, where can people find us online? Hypothepod on Twitter, Hypothetical Institute, where uh, if you're listening to this on a podcast app and you want to listen to it in a different podcast app, you could do that by searching Hypothetical Institute in a different one. Hypotheticalinstitute.com, do we have that? Yep. Yep. Do they have that in front of it? Uh just try them Just try 'em out. Try. Go. Try try both ways. Um you're in lockdown if you're in Melbourne, so you've got a bit of free time.
1: Uh so Cam, where do people find you? And also, we're on Patreon. Oh yeah, we're on Patreon. And thank you to our cooked thirty three dollar sponsors, Tammy and Vanessa. Thank,
3: thank you. you. Okay, so there's no the in the website.
1: Okay, no the <laughs> no website.
3: Hypotheticalinstitute dot com.
2: Cool. And we've got cooked, cookedunits.com dot
3: com. Yep. Take you to our merch page.
2: Take you to some merch.
1: Robo, where can they find you?
2: At ale of time, of time.com. I don't really have too much coming up to plug. Uh, so, you know, just go to those. Salty?
3: Uh, at saltmarsh on Instagram and Twitter and andrewsaltmarsh.com for everything else.
1: You back on the high seas, Salty, I see. Yeah, I've been doing a bit of Sea Thieves streaming. Cool. How's that going? Good. Nice. Have you ca- captured some booty? Yeah, all the booty uh, I mate. I bet you have. Uh, and you can find me at Sextonheimer on Twitter. Gather around me is my other podcast. YNR yeah, nah, Passerade is my radio show about the far right on 3CR. Check it out. Nice one, thanks cool. everyone. Bye. Bye.
0: Don't worry. contains mind-altering drugs Don't worry about a thing except whether or not Port Arthur was a false flag operation in which to disarm Australia I said Don't worry about a thing I accept You can definitely hear John Lennon say I buried Paul at the end of Strawberry Fields forever Don't worry Except not only did Bush do 9-11, but he also keeps the planes out in Area 51, which let's not forget where all the aliens are. Don't worry about a thing, except Donald Trump is clearly a woman and you're just blind if you can't see them. Why don't you open your eyes?